Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Happy Election Day, everyone. Joe Douglas decided to take advantage of the natural diversion by holding a press conference at 4.30. We're not about to let that slide under the radar, though. We're here with instant reaction on the Can't Wait podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes, our Jets beat writer. He was on the Zoom call with Douglas and our producer, Marissa Morris, as well. Subscribe, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen or watch. And of course, I kid, it wasn't because of election day. Douglas isn't trying to dodge us all and skirt the media. He instead was doing this because of the trade deadline, which was quiet for the Jets. But Connor, before we get into everything Douglas talked about today in the press conference, did you have time to vote before you jumped on the Zoom call? Yeah, I did. I, I did it um, yesterday. It's obviously a little different this year and, and a little unique and weird and funky, obviously, because of COVID. But yeah, we did our uh, Bree and I went. We went to um, we live in Morris County. So we drove up to the the fire station where they had the little drop box. We filled ours out in the mail and, and then put them in there. Because I don't think Jersey has has any in-person voting. Am I, am I wrong about that? You guys no, are in. We discussed this before the show started, but you must have not been listening. <laughs> no, I totally zoned out. I was focused on making <laughs> sure we Jersey does have in-person balloting, in-person voting, but if you vote in person, you need to bring your ballot that you were mailed. So if you have not done that yet, you have probably oh, an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, you got two hours, an hour yeah. and 20 minutes. Yeah. So get, get out yeah, there and vote if yesterday. you hadn't. You're allowed to leave this live broadcast if you haven't <laughs> yet voted and go do it and check out the podcast later. Anyway, let's move on to the Jets and Joe Douglas. Um, he talked basically about the topics that we expected him to talk about. He also kind of put the blame on himself. At least that's the way he said it. He said he needs to get better players out there, better players around Sam Darnold, better players for Adam Gase. But let's start with what Connor, I think, is going to grab the most headlines which was basically him coming out and saying that Adam Gase is part of the solution for the New York Jets. Now, he's not going to come out and say, hey, if the team loses on Sunday, I'm going to fire him. And if not, I'm still going to fire him at the end of the season. He's not going to say that after eight games. But he probably could have come up short of saying Gase is part of the solution. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that with with Adam there and, or with, I should say with Joe, I mean, that, that's not, that's nothing. I mean, it doesn't guarantee Adam Gase a job. 
beyond this week. It, it doesn't guarantee Adam Gase a job through the rest of the season, and it certainly does not guarantee Adam Gase a job in, in 2021. I mean, that's just – it's just not what he's doing. I mean, it was basically him coming out and trying to not make a headline while also giving a vote of confidence to his head coach, who, who he, he knows is struggling. And, and it wasn't – I wouldn't read too much into it. You know, I mean, he's never – there's never going to be a GM that comes out and says, my coach sucks. He's not doing enough. I'm sick and tired of this. And then like slam a clipboard down. And and certainly that's not going to be Joe Douglas. I mean, this guy is a, a family man. He's friends with Adam. This is football aside. These two guys are close. So it's not like he's going to come out and say like, oh, you know, screw this dude. Get rid of this dude. I don't want him. He's bad. He's the reason we're losing. No, I mean, he gave his friend a vote of confidence. He shouldered some of the blame himself by saying he hasn't done enough to give Adam Gase the talent that he needed that he needs to have success. And he said, yeah, I, I believe he can be a part of the solution. Now, is he going to be given that opportunity? No, unless the Jets <laughs> win out, like unless the Jets win out or, or somehow win seven of their final eight games or maybe six of their last eight games here. Adam Case is not going to be this team's head coach next season. It's it's just it's not going to happen. He's not going to be the team's guy. They're going to let him go. I think there's a chance they could let him go after this Patriots game. If not, they'll let him go out a day after the season, you know, basically on on Black Monday or whatever it is. That's when they'll make the change. But they're not going to it's not going to be one of these things where where Adam Gase, you know, these words from Joe Douglas just guaranteed Adam Gase a job in 2021. No. I mean, this is his friend. This is a guy that he's known for many years. This is somebody who he feels some blame for believing that if he had given him a better roster, maybe the Jets would be in better success. And he was basically just trying to come across and and and, and say that here with uh, with what he did. We're going to take some questions from you folks who are tuning in live as well. So uh, throw them in the chat. We'll get to those at the end. Uh, before we move on to other stuff like Darnold and, and everything else, just what was the overall, I mean, it's a Zoom call, so it is what it is, Connor, but what was the vibe you got from Joe Douglas? Was he kind of the same Joe Douglas that you generally encounter, whether it's at the combine or the beginning of training camp or whenever he's speaking, or did he seem at all different, phased by the fact that his team is 0-8 right now? No, he seemed down. I, yeah. I thought that. I mean, Joe's never a guy that's showing like a ton of emotion. I mean, he's former offensive lineman. He's, he's you know, the the stoic guy. He's you know, this is X's and O's, and this is, this is you know, uh, we're going to build this the right way, blah, 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 which reminds me. I forget, you. we sent this rundown, like, right before the show. One thing we do need to touch upon, uh, Tim, which I was like, oh, this is a really good thing that he said was his uh, approach in free agency this coming year where the Jets are going to have more cap space than anyone else. So, yes. remind, yep. yeah, remind yeah, we to got bring that, that up. That's yeah, the so part of the, the rundown that says, how will they build? Okay, cool. Connor uh, doesn't know where the rundown I love rundown when Connor actually... references the rundown. Yeah. I love it. It's a, yeah. yeah. He doesn't know where it lives. He doesn't know where we type all this stuff into, but he knows it's it true. exists somewhere. I know when it's texted to me, when you guys text it to me. So I'm also upset now that the previews that Marissa makes for the show, because everyone's like, oh, what does Marissa do other than like monitor the chat? What does Marissa do? Marissa usually makes these preview things for us, like all the preview things. And Marissa always sends them to me. And it's like, it's so nice. And I love it so much. And Marissa makes the, the picture and she makes the little like, Twitter thing and she texts it to me and then she's like remember to tweet this out because I totally forget and if I don't tweet it out I get another like reminder like hey tweet this out and so Tim made the one for this last one that we just did like this last show we did Tim made it this time and Tim like randomly out. Says, hey 
Tim sends it on Slack, which is not how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> then after he sends it on Slack, then he texts it in our group chat. He doesn't send it personally. Yeah. And then he's no just like, hey, you got to. Oh, I was like, what is this? All right, and we're well, doing we're doing reviews, by the way, because our review cycles are up. <laughs> Guess who's getting a little note in her review that that suddenly I'm not getting the preview from Marissa anymore. OK, no. well, as as you say that, it's like you want me to throw you under the bus. He literally just texted me. You tweeting for me? Question mark. <laughs> so. Well, I went to go look about the Adam Gasing. I was like, shoot, mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is really hard for me to tweet and talk at the same time. I just can't do it. I was like. Is Marissa doing it? But then I didn't see a tweet up right away. So I was like, all right. How am I going to I'm monitoring the questions in the chat. We're taking questions, you know. That's true. Don't worry. So I, I, did put, I did put Marissa's review. Our podcast would not be the same without Marissa. <laughs> okay. Really small print. It would be better. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, uh, you, you're at, you asked about Douglas's. I mean, he, like I say, he's never going to be over the top. He's never going to be this guy that's going crazy. You're like, oh, you know, slamming fists. He's not... Uh, who was that 49? Mike Singletary, you know, where, where I want winners and he's never going to do uh, the old Denny Green where it was, you know, we had him where we thought they were. That's not, it's not Douglas. That's not who he is. But I will say that, that he seemed very, <laughs> I see a comment here. Marissa is the best podcast mom. And I think that is like A plus, <laughs> a plus comment. Uh, <laughs> I saw it in the corner of my eye. I was like, what? I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Um, but no, like he was very, I thought down. He was very like, this is not what I expected because when I when like I tell you guys and I've said this before like what makes this Jets season so damning and what makes this Jets season so alarming and what makes this Jets season so surprisingly inept is that they didn't expect this. You know, in 2007 or 2017, I'm sorry. Mike McCagney made a concerted effort to not try to win. You know, he got rid of Brandon Marshall. He got rid of Eric Decker. He got rid of David Harris. He got all got, got rid of all these guys. And he wasn't overly tanking, but he wasn't exactly fielding a team that he expected to make the playoff push. You know, he had his eyes on Sam Darnold, Josh Rose, and Josh Allen, that top-tier quarterback class that was going to be there. That's who he was focusing on. And he was kind of like, all right, let's tear this apart and then build it back up. That's not what the Jets were trying to do here. Like, the Jets actually thought that they had a team that was going to be able to compete for the playoffs. Not maybe necessarily get to the playoffs, not necessarily win a Super Bowl, maybe not compete in the AFC East, but they thought there would be a 7-8, potentially 9-win team, that if everything broke their way and Mims was as good as they thought and P. Ryan and the line worked, they could win 8 or 9 games. Like, that's literally what they thought within this building. So to go into the season and begin Week 1 with that thought and now suddenly be here after 8 games, 0-8, and steamrolling toward 0-16 and literally looking like a team that's unable to win a game... I mean, everyone in the organization was on edge. Everyone is kind of alarmed that their self-evaluation was so ridiculously off. I mean, they are that. And that that's how Joe seemed. When he was sitting, again, it's its on the other end of a Zoom call. He's sitting there. You know, we kinda, you, know you just got to see him. But, you know, he was sitting there like this. He's got his shoulders down. You know, he's talking monotone. I even, I, at the end of the conference, I threw him a softball of all softballs. Because I, I, felt, I felt a little bad because I did pepper him. <laughs> I did. I mean, I peppered him a lot about Sam. And it's, it's tough because, like, when... That's a topic with Sam, and we'll get we'll get to it in a minute here. I don't want to uh, like overstep on what we're about to talk about, but that was a topic that, like had a lot of I's to dot and a lot of T's to cross. Like you couldn't just say, "What do you think about Sam?" and then just let it be. I mean, you had to, there were things that he needed to say and questions that needed to be asked directly to move on from that subject. But like I even threw him a softball at the end, like, "All right, Joe, like, yeah, this team's winless. They're looking like they're gonna stay winless, but you know, Makai Becton looks goddamn good. Like, what do you think of Makai Becton?" And he turned the question Makai Becton into basically like Makai Becton is is kind of upset that he hasn't been able to help us win more games. It's like, 
wow. Like, like this was as, as not even a softball. I put it on a tee, and he was still that way. I mean, you can see that this guy is emotionally invested in this. He's upset with this. He, he admitted, I asked him, I was like, is this job more than what you expected? Like, is the job you got to do, is it more than you? He goes, no, I went into this with open eyes. I knew what I had to do, and, and nothing's kind of taken me by surprise. But you could tell that this entire season, at least halfway point of the season, has beat him up quite a bit. And he's he's distraught by this quite a bit. And everyone in the organization is, from Adam Gase to Christopher Johnson, Jaime, and everyone else. I mean, they are all legitimately upset over this. And I think Joe came across that way in the press conference. That he asked, he answered all of the tough questions, and he had to answer a lot of them. I thought he handled it with professionalism. He didn't dance around too much, except for the questions that you expected him to dance over. Um, but you could tell that he's he's not happy. And I think you're going to see a guy that this offseason is out there uh, with a man on a mission because you can see that this is this is not something that's making him too happy. So, Connor, you just kind of mentioned this. Um, this question's from Mark C. Uh, did you notice how Joe's body language changed on the Gase and Darnold question? He looked down for 10 to 15 seconds prior to answering questions with answers he tru- truly didn't believe himself. Hmm. I don't know if that is necessarily how I would read that. And and the reason that I, I say it is is no other, nothing other than I think he was just making sure that his words came out right and he didn't want to misspeak. You know, Joe's not a guy that's that's super used to media. You know, he's he was a, a longtime scout with the Ravens and then he went and he did like college uh stuff with the with the Bears and then he was the pro personnel guy with the Eagles and and when he was with the Eagles, because at the time when, when Joe was with the Eagles, I was covering the Jets for the Star Ledger. There were times when I would be at the Senior Bowl where Elliot Shore Parks, he wouldn't be at the Senior Bowl. So I would go and like talk to Joe because that was like the one time that Joe talked to the media is that Joe would do media with the Eagles reporters at the Senior Bowl. And he'd ask, you know, answer questions about the college guys and scouting stuff. But aside from that, he he's never been in a situation where he received the criticism where it was like, it doesn't look like you've done your job very well. Why have you sucked at your job lately? Tell me. Like, he's never had to answer those questions. And so this is a whole new situation. So when he was being asked about Adam, when I and others were asking him intently about Sam, I don't think he was saying questions that he didn't. I was. I don't think he was saying answers that he didn't necessarily believe. I think he was taking his time to ensure that he didn't say something he regretted or something that he didn't mean or get his words twisted up. Because again, this is not Jacksonville. You know, this is not Houston. Like, this is New York. This is the New York media market. I mean, there were like 35 people on that Zoom call hanging on his every word. And if he said one bad thing and gave one bad headline, it's going to be on our website as a column. It's going to be on the back of the Post, on the back of the Daily News, in the Associated Press, Newsday, everywhere. Like, it's going to be blown up. I mean, you're going to have 17 stories that run today on X additional takeaways and X thoughts on on Adam Gase's or uh, Joe Douglas's midseason press conference. Like there's going to be all this stuff out there. So I don't think that it was necessarily that saying things he didn't believe. I think it was more him trying to say, I think it was more him trying not to say the wrong thing and making sure that his words came out the way that the way that he wanted them to come out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's get into Darnold because I feel like th- there was as much about Sam Darnold in this, in this press conference as anybody, as you would expect. But it was also a little bit all over the place, Connor, because it's a similar situation where he's not going to say, well, we're going to have a different quarterback if the season goes bad enough and we're going to trade Sam. You know, he can't say that. But in one sentence, Douglas was saying he's our quarterback of the future. In another sentence, he was refusing to commit to Darnold being his starter in 2021. So I'm not sure how those two things mesh. Yeah, he he was all over the place. I mean, that was when, when like the first question I asked him was that, was do you believe that Sam Darnold will be this team's quarterback in the future? And how would you assess Sam Darnold's play right now? And, and the first thing he said about Sam Darnold was, I haven't done enough in surrounding him with talent. I have not basically Which is given fair. Sam Darnold. Yeah, it, it's true. Like he hasn't given, I mean, I give Joe some slack because he's had one off season. It was it was two years of Mike McCagnan not doing anything, and that's that was the real issue. Like like Joe had one off season, and he thinks he fixed the offensive line, and he thinks he put receivers out there the Jets can have success with. But the Jets have never had all three of their starting receivers out there, and the offensive line I think has played three total games together of the offensive line that he built. So he said, "I haven't done enough. I want to do more." And then like the second part of the question, he just didn't answer. Like he just he didn't he didn't answer the second part about Sam Darnold being uh, is is Sam part of the future. He did say, you know, I think Sam Darnold is an ultra talented quarterback. I think Sam Darnold can be really good, but didn't didn't touch the is Sam going to be a part of this team's future. Rich Semini over at ESPN then followed up like two questions later, like will you like is Sam Darnold this team's quarterback like in 2021? Like will he be this team's quarterback? And Joe danced around it. He would not he would not commit to Sam Darnold being this team's quarterback in 2021. He would not do it. He said, like, again, complimented him, said he believes in him, but he wouldn't say Sam Darnold is going to be our quarterback in 2021. A couple questions later, he starts getting more Sam Darnold questions, and he starts, again, ranting and raving about about, I believe he can be a, su- a very a very good quarterback in this league. I believe he can, he can still be very successful. I haven't done enough to surround him with talent. If you surround him with talent, you'll see what this kid's capable of. Like, saying all of these super, super positive things. But then... I followed up with it and I was like, okay, well, if you're saying all of that and you believe that he can be a successful quarterback, if you surround him with talent and you believe that he's a, a franchise guy and all this stuff, I was like, will he be your quarterback? Why, why don't you just commit to him then in 2021 and say, he's going to be my quarterback. And that's when he kind of like sort of said it where he goes like, Sam is our quarterback of the future. Like he said that, but didn't really say like, he kind of like hesitated a little bit and then said, Sam is our quarterback of the future. Later on in the press conference is when he kind of started saying some other things, and I finally, like, asked him. And again, this is one of those things where it's like, if I was him, I would be a little annoyed with it because it it can come off as being annoying. As I said, I was like, okay, Joe, are you willing to say that, like, you're looking at going to 0-16, 1-15, having a chance to pick Trevor Lawrence? Would you not draft a quarterback in the first round? Like, is that something you would feel confident saying right now? We are not going to draft a quarterback in the first round. And he said, I'm not going to go into my draft plans. That's not something I'm going to be discussing right now. We're going to, we're, we're focused on New England. So again, that was kind of like a non-answer answer, right? So 
I, I felt bad about it. Like, it looked like kind of like constantly being like Sam Darnold question, Sam Darnold question, Sam Darnold question. Why are you guys winless? Another Sam Darnold question. But like with this topic, it is so complicated. Like the Sam subject is not is not an easy one. It's not black and white. It's not it's not just a, a one word answer. Like it is complicated because it's it's how do you evaluate Sam Darnold? OK, well, are you willing to commit to him in 2021? Okay, you didn't really do that. Okay, are you going to draft a quarterback? Or are you willing to say, I'm not going to draft? Like, there are all these things and all of these questions, subset questions off of the Sam Darnold subject that needed to be asked and needed to be asked today because you need to ask him now. And honestly, at the end of the season, when we talk to Joe, whether it's at the NFL Combine or when the season's over and he has his, you know, year-end wrap-up, it's all going to be hammered home again and, and all that stuff. Now, what I will say is with everything that Joe said today, about Sam Darnold and the future comment and all of this stuff, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. This does not rule them out of drafting Trevor Lawrence. Do not think that if the Jets have the number one pick in the draft, they're going to pass on Trevor Lawrence. Do not think that if Sam Darnold starts every one of the rest of these games and this team goes 0-16, then they're picking number one and the generational passer is there. The Jets are going to trade that pick because they've got Sam Darnold. No. Cliff Kingsbury at one point said Josh Rosen is our quarterback. Josh Rosen will be our quarterback. They drafted Kyler Murray like three weeks later. Like this was literally just Joe not wanting to come out and say definitively something along the lines of like, I, I'm giving up on Sam, you know, because Sam Darnold is still this team's quarterback. And ideally in a perfect world for the Jets right now, they're not thinking about Trevor Lawrence. Like, like Joe Douglas is not thinking, I want Trevor Lawrence. What Joe Douglas is thinking is I want Sam Darnold to be the franchise quarterback. That is, that is truly what the Jets want. The Jets want this kid to be the franchise. They want him to be the guy. They want to be him. To, they want him to be everything that they hoped he would be when they drafted him third overall in 2018. 18, 18, right? 18, 19, yeah, 18. That's when they want, like, they want that guy because if Sam's their franchise quarterback, everything gets easier. Suddenly, right. that top five pick, they can use it on another lineman, corner, pass rusher, the other first round pick. They can use it on something else. They can really finalize and fill out this roster. So they want Sam Donner to come out these final eight games and win four, five, six, seven of them. They want Sam Donner to come out and light it up. Maybe not seven. I mean, you want to be in that top five. True. (laughs) But still, like you you want Donner to come out and dominate and show progress because if he is your franchise quarterback, it's a big question mark that you can count. You can you can make a a statement, a declarative statement, or a solution. Like you don't have to worry about that anymore. So he was never going to come out today and say, I don't believe in Sam. He was never going to come out today and say, you know, we're going to move on, or yes, I'm thinking about drafting a quarterback. He was he was going to give Sam a vote of confidence, say everything he can to give Sam the vote of confidence to hopefully have Sam these final eight weeks show he is a true franchise quarterback so the Jets don't have to draft Trevor Lawrence. And truthfully, if Sam is to show he's the next franchise quarterback and he is a franchise quarterback, the Jets are going to take one of these games against the Patriots. They'll beat the Chargers. They'll win one or two other games the rest of the way, and they won't even be in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence. So it'll be a moot point, and they'll roll with Sam going into 2021. But if this team goes 0-16, if they go 1-15, if they are picking number one in the draft and Trevor Lawrence is there, I know what Joe Douglas said, everything Joe Douglas said, doesn't matter. The Jets are going to be drafting Trevor Lawrence. One weapon that the Jets could have put around Sam Darnold to help this offense was Robbie Anderson. And that was actually one part of this press conference where Joe Douglas, I mean, he took a lot of blame in this press conference, but he took on that blame as well. And it was interesting because he actually gave a reason for why the Jets didn't bring back Robbie Anderson, Connor. Basically, they didn't think he was going to be that cheap. Yeah, and and I thought that 
Look, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's not going to change anything. The Jets aren't going to get Robbie Anderson back. It's not going to. There's no time machine to go back and give him the ten million that that the that the Panthers did. But I thought it was really good and a, a legitimate big positive to see Joe Douglas basically it, it turn around and say, "I screwed up. I made a mistake. My bad. Like I I screwed this up. It was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it." You have GMs all over. Bill Belichick. Look at that. Like Bill Belichick is is in the midst of a four game losing streak for the first time, and that guy doesn't doesn't have enough fingers to point at other people. Like he like he can't stop pointing at other people and blaming other people. Dave Gettleman has built an absolute disaster of a roster in in New York. Has he taken the blame on anything? On the Odell trade? On the Leonard Williams trade? On any of his draft picks? The Baker signing? I mean, he came out and said like, "Well, we didn't see any red flags with Baker when we drafted him." Like, like, it is so common. I and mean, even Howie Roseman dealing with the Eagles problems, he's not exactly saying anything. The the Cardinals, when they admitted, they never really admitted they screwed up on Rosen. Like, it is it is so uncommon for general managers to actually say, I fucked up. Like, they just, they don't, oops, I said it again. That's but right, they, like, they don't, yeah, yeah, they no FCC is not coming after yeah. me. They don't, uh, sorry, I, I'm getting like notes from our, our breaking news team about doing something um focus Connor, focus yeah i'm sorry they're blowing me up like do you have any questions like hey are you gonna fill this out soon i'm like i'm doing a podcast for you guys too like who do you want me to message for you i'm not Connor? marissa here who I'm do not, you want I'm me to marissa message i'll this? take this care of it for you <laughs> josh hargraves josh hargraves yeah, marissa's this. not gonna run my she's gonna run my slack my twitter <laughs> send me promo videos all that stuff but seriously like it is it is so uncommon to have general managers admit they're wrong. And for Joe to sit there in the midst of an 0-16 season, in everything going wrong, the quarterback screwed up, this is screwed up, everything screwed up, to have Joe come out and say, like, we messed that up. I wish Robbie was still here. We need to reevaluate how we evaluate the market of our prospective free agents because we don't want this to happen again. And he basically said that he wishes... Right, he actually literally said it. He goes, "I wish Robbie Anderson was doing what he's doing for us. We don't want to let good players out the door." That's what he said. I don't, and I'm I'm paraphrasing slightly because I don't have the exact quotes in front of me. But he basically said, "I don't want to have good players walk out the door," and it's admitting that that's what they did. And and basically the reasoning for it and, and the way that it was was that, and we talked about this. Like we talked about it leading in to to free agency. We talked about it when we were discussing Robbie Anderson. The Jets were willing to go to a certain price point with Robbie. They were willing to pay between eight and ten million dollars for him per year, because and they weren't willing to go too much higher than that because they felt that Robbie's market was going to be, or that the reason why they weren't willing to go more than eight or ten million dollars is because they had concerns uh, with Robbie Anderson's ability to do more than just go deep. There were some worries that if they gave him more than that much money when he got home to Florida, he would get in trouble and the off-field issues would arise again and basically you'd be paying for a guy that ends up getting suspended and isn't on the field. And they didn't really like that, that if Robbie's not the number one target, he tends to check out of plays. So there were a number of things and reasons why the Jets were like, we don't think Robbie's worth more than eight to 10 million. But they also made that initial offer of like eight or 9 million out there for him in the beginning, thinking that guy's going to get 15 million from somebody. Someone is going to go out and give him 14, 15 million dollars, pay him 14, 15 million dollars. And we're never going to like, we're just not willing to go that high. Like, we're not willing to go to $15 million. So, and I need to confirm that this is actually what happened, but listening to Joe talk about Robbie, what I got the sense of what happened 
was that the Jets made the initial offer to Robbie of whatever contract for like $8 million, thinking he was going to get $14, $15 million annually. When the Panthers came in with two for 20, I get the sense that there was no opportunity for the Jets to match. That's that what was I was like going to ask was why wouldn't you yeah. be able to stay in that conversation? But. Yeah, and I again, I don't have this confirmed yet. I got to reach out to some of my people over there and talk to them to get this confirmed, and, and I'll know it for the next podcast. Like We can touch on this again, but listening to Joe and reading between the lines, I got the sense in the way that I heard it was that the Jets made their initial offer. They expected it to be not even in play because or be nowhere close because he was going to get 12, 13, 14 million. The Panthers then came in and said two for 20. And Robbie's like, well, I only have eight from the Jets. So, OK, I guess I'm taking two for 20 from the Panthers. And that was that. I mean, the Jets didn't expect him to sign for what he did. And then when he did, I think they were like, well, that sucks. And, and that was their issue. And, and what Joe said is that after watching what happened with Robbie, after seeing how that situation played out, what they are now thinking, what's going through their mind is like, OK, we're going to reevaluate. We need to have a better knowledge of what's going to happen when free agency opens. We need to now know concrete what is going to happen and what these players worth is. And then we'll be able to know, OK, this is what our offer to them is going to keep. Because Joe's never going to go above market value. Like they're, they're he's not he's not willing to pay more than what he believes a player is worth. What I think annoyed the Jets and where Joe screwed up and he admitted he screwed up was that he didn't know that Robbie's market was going to be 10 million. He thought 12, 13, 14, which is why he backed out. He didn't know it was going to be 10. And if it was 10, he would have paid him. And that's where he screwed up. And and like he said, he let a, a good talent go out the door because Robbie looks great right now. Yeah, he certainly does. All right, one more thing um, before we get to, to the listener questions. One more thing I want to talk about is the thing that you teased earlier, and that is how this team will build. And uh, Joe Douglas kind of poo-pooed the fact that they have a ton of money and could just buy a bunch of players in the offseason and went back to the fact that we're going to build this team through the draft. Now, the fact is, Connor, they do have a bunch of money and there's going to be a bunch of players available because of where this league sits financially right now. So while he may say that, he can't ignore this upcoming free agent market. Yeah, but you know what, dude? That is that is what that is the one thing that I that that you want a headline? Like you want you want something that that stood out to me that wasn't just coach speak or GM speak or trying to say something to not to not piss people off or trying to sit and making sure you don't make a headline. That is that is what was not a headline. That was true, Joe Douglas. And that was something that I was like, okay, that gave you the roadmap to the future. Okay, that that showed you how this team's going to be built. Because the Jets right now, I looked at it in OTC. The Jets are projected to have $80 million in cap space. The most cap space of anyone in the NFL. That's before they cut Henry Anderson, which is going to put them near $90 million in salary cap space. And they can move on for some other guys as well. Greg Van Roten's not going to be back. The Jets are not going to bring back Greg Van Roten, so he's going to be cut. There's a chance that George Fant gets cut as well. If those two guys and Henry Anderson go, the Jets are going to be looking at almost $95, $100 million in salary cap space this coming offseason. That's going to position them with the most in the NFL in an offseason that is going to see teams gutting rosters. Like I, We right. were texting about this in our group chat. The, the New Orleans Saints are going to be $92 million over the cap this coming year with a projection of 160, 176 million. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to be $65 million over. There are going to be 12 teams with $2 million or less in salary cap space. The vast majority of those negative needing to cut people just to get back to even. So they're going to see a free agent class that has, I think it might, it honestly might be a historic free agent class. It might be a free agent class that is so robust that you've never seen anything like it. 
And what Joe said, basically, is that it's not something that he's going to do. He's not going to build this thing through free agency. Now, if there is an A free agent out there that he believes can help this team, Joe Tooney, somebody he was willing to break the bank for last year. Um, I know Ronnie Stanley just, just got his deal, but if there's like a top tier offensive tackle, again, somebody who had to get cut, uh, the saints have a, a guy, Andrus Pete, I believe it is, is somebody who's probably going to be cut because he is just, they don't, they don't have the room to pay him. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, somebody the saints don't really have the means to pay him next year. If there is an a free agent pro bowl, all pro player with no off field red flags and somebody that they believe can be a culture changer for this team, Joe will go out and pay him. Like Joe will go out and give him the money that he needs to give him like that kind of stuff. Like, like they, he will go out and pay the guy. But as far as like the off season that Mike McCagden had his first year here, where he signed Darrell Revis and Antonio Cromartie and, and traded for Brandon Marshall and brought in all these stars and like 30 year old guys just to give the jets an immediate boost. It's not what Joe Douglas is going to do. And he pretty much said that that is not something he's going to do. This thing will be built through the draft. He will build this thing through the draft. He will cultivate talent through the draft. The players that get money from the Jets will be the guys that he drafts. Those free agents that are out there, those guys that are that are available, he's not building this thing through free agency. And, and the quote that he said is that good teams aren't bought. I think that's the, the almost the exact thing that he said was the good teams are not bought. And he compared that to not only the NFL, but NBA, NHL, and everything else is that the best teams are not bought. And if you compare this to like the Kansas City Chiefs, who are one of the best teams out there, the Baltimore Ravens, one of the best teams out there, the Seattle Seahawks, one of the best teams out there, the New England Patriots, the team that when they had Tom Brady was seemingly in contention every single year, none of those teams usually make splashes in free agency. Those teams hit on their draft picks and then they reward their draft picks with contracts and they'll occasionally plug a hole with, with a free agent signing. I think that's what the Jets will look to do this free agency. They'll look to plug a couple holes with free agency, but they won't fill the field a team that's bought. This isn't going to be the best team money can buy. The Jets are going to focus this on the draft and try to build it the right way. And and that's different. It's probably not necessarily what fans want to hear because you want the splashy free agent signings and stuff like that. But it's probably the right thing to do. And and you're seeing that you're seeing that uh, that that's probably how Joe Douglas is going to do it. Don't don't so, you think the draft is going to be harder than recent years with all these college players that have opted out? Who knows yeah. what you know? That there's the different games, harder that, to evaluate, the All Star yeah. games at the end of the year. Who knows what the combine is going to look like next year? I mean, like that's that's going to be a difficult. You know, he might not. I don't know. It'll it'll You're be right. interesting. No, you're right. I mean, you're 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 not wrong. I mean, I think that's also why the Seattle Seahawks were willing to part with as much as they were for Jamal Adams. I think that 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 was a role. I think they said like, look, we're gonna be pick, picking later in the first round. Like, right. late first round picks are guys that that you don't you're they're not flyers, but they're still like kind of more risky than those top five, six, seven, top ten selections. Like, you're taking some chances down there, and they were like, look, there might not be a college football season. As you said, there might not be the all-star games, the combine, who knows? Like, all of these things might not happen. And if those things don't necessarily happen, well, like, this pick isn't going to be as valuable. So I think that's why the Seahawks were like, you know what? We're a team that's got a chance to win a Super Bowl. We're a team that's going to be right in there till the end. Let's go get us an all-pro player. Let's go get us Jamal Adams, and we'll give up some picks in a, in a year, and we'll see what we can't do with it. But I think that that for Joe, I think it's going to be that he just trusts his scouting and he trusts his scouts. And again, this is a guy that is born and raised, you know, like the old Bane saying, like the, you know, you, you merely adopted the darkness, like, you know, the old Batman line, 
Like Joe, Do- like Joe Douglas was like raised in the darkness that is the NFL draft. Like that is his thing is college scouting from the lowest level up to the highest, obviously now as a general manager, that's what he does. And I think that what you're going to see now is a guy that just says, these are my draft picks. I believe I can hit on my draft picks and that's how we're going to do this the right way. And and he's not going to, I think he said, what was the, the way that he phrased it today? He said financially, um, financially healthy or something like that is, is how he, how he phrased it. Um, he's worked pretty hard the last, since he became the Jets general manager to get this team to a position where they were financially stable. He's there now. And I don't think he's going to take all that work he's done to get them into such financial health to then say, screw it. I'm going to blow it like crazy in one free agency. I think he's going to be smart with this. I mean, they're not, they're not, not going to make a splash, right? That's that. I want to make clear. They're not, not going to make a splash, but they're not going to go out there and say, okay, here's the top five free agents on the market. We're signing them all like they're not, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's smart. Makes a lot of sense. Sign your own, and then you know you get those little. You think you mentioned the Patriots? You get your Stefan Gilmore when you need it um, to mm-hmm. to fill that hole. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Marissa, let's move on to some questions from the listeners. All right, Connor. So we have to touch on the trade deadline. It was a pretty quiet day across the entire league. Did you expect the Jets to do more at the deadline? Uh, no, I mean, they were gonna, they were gonna listen to stuff. I mean, they were gonna, if, if some team made an offer for them, they were, they were gonna do it. I mean, I'm sure they were willing to trade somebody like Marcus May for the right package. They were willing to trade somebody like, like Jordan Jenkins for the right package. But but some of the the stuff that was out there that I, that you guys started texting me about and, and some of the stuff that I happened to see come across the, uh, the the notepad or so here about like the Jets were shopping or, uh, trying to trade Chris Herndon. That one got a little chuckle out of me because that was simply not true and and was shut down pretty heavily and and anytime I see something like that I always go it's like just you got to you got to think about who you're listening to and you got to think about like what you're reading and where it's coming from and if you think about where it's coming from and you think about what you're reading you can try to you can you can pretty much piece together whether that statement is true or not like that's just that's just true and and I know when I when I heard that one that one got me to laugh cuz I was like that's it's just not true and I know I've reached out to somebody over it, over at the uh, like a couple of my sources, and I was like, oh, I was like, Chris Herndon, really? And all I the, the answer I got back was, LOL, <laughs> and then F no, and then somebody else is like, just wait till Joe Joe wants to talk about this one. And I was like, <laughs> all right, let's let's see it. But I mean, I I wasn't as surprised because again, like the Jets don't necessarily have too many players out there that are like that. Um, like when you're making a trade at a deadline, 
normally what you're doing, normally the players you're trading at a deadline are guys on one-year contracts that you realize are not going to be part of this team moving forward. So that's why you saw McClendon go and Avery Williamson go and why Jordan Jenkins and, and Marcus May were guys that had the possibility of going. Um, I think that that those guys are usually the ones that are moved. And, and the people that, and the teams, I should say, that make ac- or makes uh, attempted acquisitions at, at acquiring those players are guys or teams that think those players can put them over the edge. You know, like like the Buccaneers went out and got Steve McClendon. That wasn't a player to get, but he knew Todd Bowles. And was like, all right, we lost a player on the inside. Steve can fill can fill the void. Uh, with Avery Williamson, the Steelers lost Bush. They needed an inside linebacker. Avery Williamson could fill a void. He could help. He could help them. The other guys that the Jets could have moved, like Marcus May, was not going to take any team from like championship contender to Super Bowl favorite. Like Marcus May wasn't going to do that. Um, Jordan Jenkins was not going to make any team uh, Super Bowl contender. We got Jordan Jenkins. Now we're now we're a Super Bowl favorite. Like that wasn't going to happen. Same thing with I mean Chris Herndon was never even on the block because he was a guy that is on his rookie contract still controlling. Same thing with Quentin Williams. But I think that that it's. Uh, it, it was sort of surprising that they make more, but then when you actually think about the players the Jets would have dealt, it's not really all that surprising just because they didn't really have anyone that, that anyone else would want. I mean, this team's 0-8 for a reason, and, and the players are one of them. You got another one, Marissa? Um, <laughs> this is a comment. <laughs> Tim and I were discussing this. Just we'll throw this one in there. The blue, the big blue knight said, Connor is the pod son who will buy GTA without his parents knowing. I'm assuming that like, you know, I got a lot of comments that I was the pod mom and Tim could be the pod dad. And, you know, so I thought that was pretty funny. That's true. Um, That's true. It's good. Okay. I like that. So this was an interesting question from MMERC3. Is it true that Darnold is playing while injured? They're going to kill that kid before he can get traded. What are your thoughts on that? Who is this? Sorry. Is Darnold Darnold playing hurt, basically? I looked over to see the numbers. Mm -hmm. I was actually trying to see how many people we've got going. I mean, it's actually pretty impressive. Look at the number of people that are listening to this thing right now. But yes. Well, uh, they're not going to keep listening if you you aren't listening (laughs) to their question. Yeah. It's fine. Coffee's wearing down. Uh, talking about killing Sam Darnold? Yes. No, is Darnold playing him. hurt? Yes. And before trading him, is this like, are you, is that a concern? Because would that hurt a straight value, basically? I think the, I mean, the more Sam Darnold plays and the more he struggles and the more he doesn't look very good, yeah, that, that hurts his trade value. I mean, you have a guy that is regressing, a guy that's obviously, if he's regressing, he's not making progress. His mechanics are concerns. His decision-making is a concern. His health is a concern because he's dealt with injuries every year of his of his three-year career to this point. So, yeah, I mean, the more Darnold plays and the more he struggles, it is an issue. But I think also with with the shoulder, it's it, it, come, it gets to a point where, like, if he can play, he's going to play. And that's Sam. Like, Sam wants to be out there. He's this team's starting quarterback. The Jets aren't going to sit him to try to save his draft, like, his, his trade value. It's just not going to happen. And the big thing with Sam and the big thing with that shoulder is just the, the re-injury. Because from what I understand with it and from what people I've talked to about it, it's an issue and it's an injury that is almost like it's going to be painful and you're going to know it's an issue and you're going to know it's there. With that said, it's not something that's going to get worse. And as long as the injury is not going to get worse and you don't have an, uh, the risk of aggravating it, you don't have an issue of like, you know, it's a slight tear and then you get hit wrong and it's a total tear. Then if Darnold believes he can play and and the Jets can do things like shoot him up or give him a pill and, and send him out there then he's fine and he'll be good and he'll be rocking and rolling. But um, one point rocking no. and rolling in case anyone at home is. <laughs> <laughs> Attack. 
It's my tagline. The unofficial <laughs> tagline. can't wait drinking game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, that's the thing with Sam is that it's, it's just a matter of like, is he healthy? And if he's healthy, then, or if he, if he can play, then he's going to play. If he's not going to risk further injury, then he's going to go out there. And, and as far as hurting his trade value and hurting his stock, I mean, it's, it's going to happen. Like if he keeps struggling, it's going to happen. That's why you, but it, that's not something you could be thinking about right now. It's just not. All right. We have one more question. This one is from Tommy R. Did anyone ask JD if this quote culture was what he was referring to in camp? Ooh. <laughs> Boy, that man, I figured people were going to be pissed about uh, people are up in arms, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think that, that, yeah, you want to talk about culture? Like, I mean, technically, it's not bad. Like, no players are turning it's true. on each it's other. Not the Cowboys, right? Yeah, nobody's pointing fingers. There's been no "we hate Adam Gase." There's been no "Greg Williams sucks." There's been no players, you know, point no defenders pointed offense and offense pointed defense. I mean, none of that's happened. Like, but you look the, at like the, the Giants last night. Like, they're what one in six? One? I don't even know what. Yeah, and they they're put yeah, they're competing. Like, they, that's not culture. That's talent. Well, and I mean, coaching. Yeah. I think it has something to do with culture too, you know, like they go out there thinking every day that like, Hey, you know what? We might have a shot. Like that's the thing is I don't, I don't think the jets go out there and just like, I'm going to roll over. Like, I, I don't <laughs> think that's, I honestly, I truthfully, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think this team goes on the field and is like, we're going to lose today. Like if you watch, like when Frank Gore leads him out, like they're screaming and yelling and, and you watch the sideline. Like when Denzel Mims makes a catch, watch, you'll see, uh, Terrell Basham sprinting and yelling and screaming and going batshit on the sideline over a catch. Like these guys are fired up. They're intense. They're they're They want to win. I just honestly don't believe they're capable of it. Like that's honestly it. Like I don't believe this team is capable of winning. I think there is such a talent deficiency and such an issue there. And, and honestly, it's embellished by the poor coaching that I think that that's a problem. Like I honestly believe that that's, that's the bigger issue the Jets have. Like the issue that the Jets have isn't necessarily um, – the Jets issue right now is, is is not like if you have a culture issue, it's the easiest comparisons with Tim reference. And it's it's the Cowboys. You see guys pointing at each other. You see guys yelling. You see guys scraping for excuses. And and it's no, it's not the defense. It's the offense. It's not the offense. It's the defense. They'll turn on the coaches. That's not happening with the Jets. The Jets are losing games because they bad. They're losing games because maybe they're not as prepared as they should be. And they're losing games because their their coaching staff is not helping them. But they're not losing games because these guys are just rolling over and quitting. Like I, I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. There's still eight games to go. When this team's 0 13, 14, maybe we get to that point. But at least halfway through the season, I think the culture is what's kind of kept this team together, if you will. When, when literally everything is kind of going bad on them. All right, I'll throw one more in. The Marissa just fired over to me. It's, uh, it's from Snoopy. Why can't anyone answer my simple question? And because he was demanding in that way, we're going to go ahead and, and throw it at you, Connor. It is something we've talked about, though. What talent? Has JD added Becton? Does Becton count? He fell to them basically. Where fell they got to, him no, in the he draft. didn't. There you go. No, we didn't. I'm just like, reading the a... question the way it was. <laughs> the Jets picked him. There was no. I get it, but like the Jets picked him. They had a chance of him or Worfs, and Worfs looks Worf looks good. Like don't get me wrong. Like, all Werfs of those, really all, all right of those tackles the look good. All of the, well, not all of them. Now, yeah, not the better time. than not Andrew. All of them. Andrew Thomas played well yesterday. Yeah. Blind squirrel nut. Jedrick Wills looks know. great. I mean, I will say Becton yeah, no, no, is the right. one that looks like a freak. The best. Four. Becton yeah. is the one. I mean, you saw that highlight. Ball, uh, someone, uh, Joe, turn on the Jets. Joe. Yeah, we like threw like three that, guys, and then the running back still got tackled because nobody yeah. else could get a block in. 
Hey, <laughs> baby steps. Beckton blocked baby three steps. players and nobody else blocked okay. anyone. <laughs> um, no, yeah, seriously though. But uh, no, like, yeah, that's that's the thing is like they they throw like that's that's it. Like, I mean, he hit Beckton. Like, it looks like he maybe hit on Mims. Like, there are things that he's done. Now, this offseason, he kind of sat out of the free agency, didn't sign anyone big, didn't do anything like that. But P. Ryan, you look at his draft class. That's kind of what my focus is. Is that's his baby is the draft class. It looks like he hit an A plus all world player in Becton and he picked him over Wurfs and Wurfs looks good. Becton looks better. He then went with Mims in the second round and we're starting to see Mims play now. You're starting to see this guy make plays where you're like when he develops more, when he gets really starts to learn his coaching and route running and how to beat NFL defensive backs, he has the physical talent to be a freak. Then you've got a uh, uh, P Ryan who looks pretty good. Braden Mann's a punter. He looks at you. I mean, he's a punter, but you'll see Ashton Davis. I mean, Braden Mann looks very good for a punter. So if you solidify your punter for the next 10 years in the draft, I think that's a successful pick. Then you look at Ashton Davis. That's the one that's the question mark. That's the one for me is like the, the asterisk of like, what do you have there? Because I would have gone with a different position. I wouldn't have taken a safety, but if he develops next year, you've got a player there as well. You obviously don't know what you have in Bryce Hall because he hasn't played yet. And then Jets drafted James Morgan to be their long-term backup quarterback, which again, I wouldn't have done that when you have other holes, but if he's your long-term backup quarterback and if Trevor Lawrence goes down or Sam Darnold goes down in two years, if he ends up still being this team's quarterback and Morgan comes in and wins two games and keeps the Jets afloat. And then in three years, the Jets flip him for a second round pick. That's a successful pick as well. So I, you can say, like, what has Joe Douglas done to add talent? What has Joe Douglas done? Joe Douglas has had a single offseason. I know he's technically been here like a year and a half. Mike McCagnan had free agency in the draft year one. This has now been all Joe Douglas this year. His draft looks like a good one. Like, it looks like a good one to this point. Free agent signings, not so much. But again, Joe didn't go crazy in free agency knowing that he needed to save money for an uncertain year because of COVID. And now you're looking at it. It's going to be a cap, a team cap next year of $176 million. So that's just, that. I, I just, I don't think you can rip on him of not adding anyone talent because this draft class, now that you're starting to see the guys get in, they're looking all right. Especially Beckton and especially Mims. Yep, and we'll see uh, year two when they have uh, you know a couple first rounders. We'll see how it goes from there. Obviously, Joe Douglas has a long contract, so we'll have time to figure out uh, how good he is at this. All right, that's going to do it for us. That's going to do it for this week from us, unless something insane happens over the next few days. But we will with be back Jets, next week. Just with the Jets, something <laughs> insane. <laughs> is like, and it always does. Uh, but we will be back after the Patriots game. We'll see how it goes. Uh, follow us all on Twitter, Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M. McMaster. Marissa is at Marissa underscore Morris. We'll talk to you again next week on the Can't Wait Podcast.